This is Talking C, your weekly supply of the dark side. Not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. Hello, everybody. My name is Josh Roach. I'm Casey Schreffler. Today is June 18th, and there are 186 days until Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. On this episode, Casey and I welcome Matthew Saylor, a listener and prior voicemail er caller guy, to the show, and we will talk what Star Wars means to him and what we think about where the franchise is headed. Not only will you get to hear from the indomitable Matthew Saylor on this transmission, but afterwards, Casey jumps into hyperspace and travels to the galaxy's edge, to the planet Batu at Disneyland in California. We will hear on-the-ground coverage as well as a recap directly after he returns home. We'll be breaking down sights, sounds, tastes, and merchandise, including a custom-built lightsaber and a functioning Jedi holocron. From there, we will discuss our fandom as youth and the technological struggles of the pre-broadband Dark Ages. Speaking of Dark Ages, what would you say to a Star Wars-themed Renaissance Festival? Perhaps a Resistance Festival? Stay tuned for this and much, much more. So, uh... Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to the show, Matthew Saylor. I do have to ask, though, because back in the day, uh, surnames were given based off, like, uh, professions. So if your last name was Smith, you were probably a blacksmith. So were were your family sailors back in the day? Uh, It's actually a derivative of Viking and Scandinavian roots where my ancestors were sailors and we uh, uh, pummeled in uh, ransacked villages, yes. Not only were his ancestors sailors, they still are sailors. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, his last name is Sailor. Spelled differently, which is funny because when they came, I assume your family probably came through Ellis Island or something like that. And when they said Sailor, they would just, when you said your last name, they would just write it down as they heard it, basically. So your name's probably not spelled the way it was back in the day. Phonetically, basically, however they felt like doing it. So no, but his sailor. his uncle is uh is in the navy. Yeah, yeah, he's uh actually just got promoted recently. He's now a commander, um, ranking from lieutenant commander. He's serving time at NATO, but before that, he uh, has done uh, three or four tours. He uh, was uh, fighter pilot for many years. He's went through Top Gun. Uh, top of his class, came back as a Top Gun instructor, and he was uh, the leader of uh, squadrons from time to time. So, very so he probably He probably knows Tom Cruise. And I tell you what, if I had the rank of commander in, like, the military, I would put that shit everywhere. Like, I would uh, – my email signature would say Commander Schreffler or Commander Casey. Like, yeah, I had, yeah. Yeah, I'd uh, – you know. Like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, well, Matt actually got the opportunity to uh, join his uncle out there um, for your internship, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, last summer I uh, uh, interned with NATO for six weeks. I was in Europe, and I got to travel to uh, a couple different countries. I went to Germany. Germany's awesome. Uh, The headquarters is in Brussels, Belgium, Um, and then Spain. uh, There's just Paris, uh, France. Uh, I... uh, 
didn't make it to Ireland, but I, I really want to go to Ireland. But it was, it was great. And uh, a lot of those uh, stereotypes, uh, cross-cultural communication, it's, it, they're very true. Is there uh, any classified intel you can give us? I cannot. Uh, and he can give us, but yeah. yeah. We got to have his uncle on the podcast and ask him. Or will not. A <laughs> uh, little bit of both. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I went to college with a guy. Um, and at the time when I was in college, this was, this was 2009, 2010. And he brought us into, brought me into his lab. And it was this crazy lab. And they had a computer that at the time had a lot of, had, had a lot of crazy stuff. I remember him saying it had like 200 gigabytes of RAM and stuff like that. And they were working on contracts for the military and he couldn't tell me much but uh, he did say that part of their contract was to do with the uh, contact lenses that are augmented reality so they can kind of overlay environments into what you're seeing. And then also one of the things that he showed me was they, set up a, they had a bunch of Kinect cameras set up and a bunch of cameras around the table. And the idea behind that was if it could be used in high profile business meetings mm. and the cameras can detect certain twitches and people's faces and stuff like that. Like if they, if they didn't agree with something or if they had an idea, the computer would say, Oh, this person has, you know, has something to say. Even He's though they're hiding not something. Idea. Yeah. And yeah. that shit blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, as a communication studies major, uh nonverbal communication is huge. I think that it uh makes up roughly sixty to eighty percent of all received and uh transmitted communication. Um, so the study of reading uh, things such as uh, facial expressions, um, even like proxemics, uh, olfactics, all these different things play into communication. You don't even realize it, but you're always sending and receiving signals, even if you're not speaking with words. So yeah, I tell, my, I tell my wife that all, I tell my wife that all the time because uh, she she can kind of come off as rude occasionally. And I'm like, and I tell her all the time, I'm like, Carla, literally 70% of what you say isn't just the words that you say. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's how you say it. It's your facial expression. It's how your body language is. Like, well, then you can even go even further and say it's in your vocaletics and your tonality and, and the way you even accent certain words. Well, right, which is kind of why I said, like, it's how you say it, um, because, yeah, that stuff is very important. You can tell if people are interested in what you're saying based off of literally how you say the words. There's, like, like, you look at the word, this is a PG podcast, can't, or PG-13 podcast, I can't say that, but if you, if you were to say the word like mother effer, um, you can use that in several different connotations, like mother effer, I'm mad, or man that dude he can he can play the drums like a mother effer. <laughs> or like uh someone like, does oh, that guy's bad mother effer. you know what I mean? like like the words don't really matter as much as everything else surrounding the words which is super cool which you probably started talking about well i was going to say those cameras you said that they they can read uh the cameras and the computer are making suggestions according to their facial facial recognition. Yeah, so they would notice if somebody 
twitched or something like that. Or like they're um, looking away or they supposedly yeah. you look one way to make something up and one way to remember something or other. But yeah, and it had something to do with uh, measuring different, uh, not just expressions. Maybe there was also some sort of like heat signatures too that I, right. that I couldn't tell you about. But well, if somebody wanted to say something and they didn't say it, the computer would and Natalia, I hear a small youngling. But I was gonna say, like that's that right there is getting close to Star Wars technology. Every day we're we're getting closer and closer to uh, to things you know that used to just be science fiction. But Matthew, first time on the podcast, one of our first guests, and uh, so I got a couple of questions for you. What was your first Star Wars experience? First Star Wars experience. Um, some of the earliest memories I have of Star Wars is watching it with my parents actually and uh, my dad recapping his experience with Star Wars um, he was around when they first came out I, mean, I don't want to age him but uh, he was born in 72 um, we had some movies come out in 77 but uh, he was around uh, when the movies were, were um, being made and, and being put out there so he got to see him firsthand and uh, I remember watching them when I was younger and thinking, wow, how cool is that? These guys have lightsabers. Like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, and then growing up, uh, we'd always go to, uh, obviously, Orlando Studios, the Universal Studios and uh, Disney. And um, just, I guess the whole culture is, it, I'm super happy because I'm now living in the era where Star Wars is becoming bigger. And this whole nerd culture, which I mean, it's, it's all mainstream now. Um, yep. Loving Star Wars, all that, it's, it's all mainstream. Take it back 5, 10, even 15 years ago, that it was not the case. Yeah, when well, we were your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was if, if you were to tell somebody 10, 15 years ago that you liked Star Wars, uh, first thing that would pop into their head is a basement dweller. Like, leave your parents' basement, go get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all oh, those yeah. negative stereotypes. But now it's like, I love Star Wars. It's like, oh, yeah, Star Wars is cool. Um, it, it's blowing up, and Disney's going to wring the, all it can out of that cash cow. Um, so too much. I mean, fa- favorite, uh, favorite Star Wars movie and favorite Star Wars character? Who isn't Rey? Oh, that's, <laughs> it's actually, I, I don't think I could say Rey. Um, because she, I don't think she's completely developed yet. So, I mean, I feel like she's got a lot of development left, a lot of arcs left. And I always jump the gun. I'm like, oh, I love this character. And then uh, another movie comes out and their character goes in a completely different direction. I'm like, ah, not so much anymore. So, um, I'm a, I'm a classic. Um, I loved Anakin's character. Um, I felt like uh, is, is it Hayden Christian, right? Hayden Christensen, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he got a lot of bad rep, but I, I loved um, loved his character growing up. Um, those were like the Star Wars movies I, I really enjoyed when I was growing up. Um, however, what was the first question again? Uh, fa- favorite Star Wars character and favorite Star Wars movie. Ah, yeah. So uh, I really, really enjoyed Rogue One. Yeah, that's. I I think that there was a lot of a lot of potential for a lot of those characters, and I mean, obviously, it was short lived. But I felt like 
that was probably one of my favorites. I mean, it I was would, it was in that I perfect time. This, I would love to see a Chirrut movie. Oh yeah, force the force with me. Just the the uh, oh, yeah. Guardians yeah. of the Wills. Let's get a movie all about the Guardians of the Wills before uh, uh, Donnie Yen, Ip Man. Are you kidding me? Those movies are awesome. At least the first two. <laughs> I haven't seen the third. And I, I think that's the crazy thing about Star Wars is, I mean, it, it's covering. I mean, you look at a lot of these other movies, um, like, I don't know, name a movie. Gladiator. Dark Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Dark Phoenix. Okay. Take Dark Phoenix and even how big um, the potential is for the X-Men. I mean, it's covering mutants on Earth. Now you look at Star Wars and it's literally covering uh, different events that cover a galaxy. All right. Then, so I feel uh, like there's so Dark much. Exactly. So I feel, like it, I feel like Star Wars has so much depth and it can go so deep. And I'm, I don't know. I, it, there's just a lot of material that you can just continue to, to dive into and, it's, and it's go true. deep. It's true. I mean, Rogue One is super fun. I, I love Rogue One. Um, well, Rogue I, One is an example of that where it's you have a storyline plot thread, but none of the main characters are characters we know unlike you know so you have solo solo took a main character but rogue one is all these other characters they're not even you know the main characters aren't even ancillary characters in the main saga right you know who i want to see a movie on who's that darth maul he needs his own movie darth maul would be his awesome his story is so so I mean, even if you look at his first—well, not his first, but the 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 meetup with uh, Obi Wan and Anakin—and um, and even after that event, I mean, so much happens. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that'd probably be one of the dopest movies ever. Oh yeah, there's there's so much storytelling that that can go on there, and that was hinted at, and I think that they were almost maybe. Uh, starting to go down that path um at the end of solo unfortunately the box office numbers weren't what they weren't what they wanted so i don't know if we'll if we'll see that now but yeah i mean casey actually had a, a theory a couple weeks ago theory. uh tying uh, darth maul into uh the new movies yeah, go ahead. I'll fill in the gaps. <laughs> you want me to tell the... I could, I could talk forever about it. Casey's theory was Darth Maul and Kira potentially had a had a child together. That child and or Darth Maul himself could somehow have been connected to the Knights of Ren because some eagle-eyed Star Wars fans out there uh, that catch every little detail um, spotted that uh, one of the weapons that is in Dragon Boss, the bad guy from Solo's office, is also one of the weapons from the Knights of Ren in some official um, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker uh, material that has come out from Vanity Fair. And I also, when we were talking about this, I theorized, I was like, man, I wonder if in that short little clip from The Force Awakens, if that weapon is there already. So I went back and looked in that flashback and did a couple freeze frames. And sure enough, one of the Knights of Ren standing there in the dark in the rain is holding that weapon. So you have that weapon that was back in 2015 in the force awakens. Then you fast forward a couple of years, it's in solo. And now it's again prevalent in the last Jedi coincidence. 
Uh, I don't think so. No, uh, so you guys, you guys are mistaken. Kira doesn't go to meet Darth Maul. She goes to find her dragon eggs. Uh, George R. R. Martin is a huge Star Wars fan, and I, I heard, uh, I have to look up the actual interview, but somebody was like, so, George, we know you're a huge Star Wars fan. Would you ever think about working on Star Wars? And he kind of, like, teased. He was like, maybe I've already been working with Star Wars. Who's to say that uh, this whole world, Westeros, and this whole world isn't just a Star a planet in the Star Wars universe in the far unknown regions, you know, regions of space? Wouldn't that have been crazy if the final episode, the finale of Game of Thrones was just a Star Destroyer landing in Westeros? It would be pretty crazy. But then one can also theorize that after Thanos lost uh, to Iron Man's snap, what really happened was he got really shriveled up and aged and he was Snoke. <laughs> well. My uh, fan theory kind of back in the day was uh, seeing as how Andy Serkis, who played Gollum and did the mocap for Gollum, and he also did the mocap for Snoke. Well, if you remember at the end of Lord of the Rings, spoilers, everybody, Gollum uh, finally gets his hand on the ring, the ring of power, puts it on only to fall into that to Mount Doom, into, into the lava. What if instead of actually killing Gollum, Gollum, with the Ring of Power, was transported into the Star Wars universe, and now he's got the Ring of Power, he's already all messed up, so Gollum is Snoke. No, I, I feel like it was probably Palpatine that orchestrated that, and with the, with the use of the Force, Gollum falling into the fire, that he was actually transported under Palpatine's order. There you go. Mount Doom is actually like uh, there's a portal through the lava of Mount Doom that leads directly to Mustafar. There it is. That that sounds 35,000 times crazier than my Darth Maul Kira idea. <laughs> no, not 35,000. Maybe, maybe like 4,000 4, times crazier. But uh, Matt, you had a uh, – trying to remember your question from a couple of weeks ago when you called in. And you actually told me just a few days ago that you didn't think that we adequately uh, fielded uh, the answer to your uh, to your question. You wanna you wanna run that bias again? So yeah, yeah. See, and this is something um, like more of the same thing isn't always a good thing. Um, you have this opportunity to after what, 18, 19 years. What was it? Eighteen years? Revamp the brand and bring it back and yes there is a lot of um, hype and a lot of it is redefining pop culture but it was it was almost like a letdown because you could have done anything and with a universe as broad as star wars and with things like the force and lightsabers and the technologies we, we've known to come in love it was like what do they do very it was almost shot for shot what we already seen done 18 years ago you have to you have to factor in a couple different things, right? These these are people who are pouring in hundreds of millions of dollars onto it onto a gamble, and not even that they they bought Star Wars for four billion plus dollars on top of all the money they put into the movies and whatever. And George Lucas still retains some percentage of the merchandise, from what I hear. About half of the four point six billion dollar payout that George Lucas got when Disney bought Star Wars was in stocks. So I think George Lucas is the third highest ranking stockholder for Disney. So he technically still owns part of Star Wars. Like he's still, yeah, he's, he's a, still getting paid. Uh, but, but, 
to, to go back to your question, Matt, of repetition, I think, and like what Casey was saying, not taking huge risks, I think a big part of what they were trying to do was they were trying to draw back in the, uh, like your father's crowd. They were trying to draw back in, you know, the fans that felt alienated from the prequel trilogy. Uh, Yes. And so they were saying, Oh, look, this is a story that is reminiscent of the original trilogy. Not only is it reminiscent of it, it is the heroes that you know and love, but they're older now like you. And this is the next generation. And I mean, we can see even in real life that, uh, you know, life repeats itself, you know, things happen over and over again. And, you know, the bad guys aren't necessarily, they don't have new ideas. They just have maybe a new way of implementing them. They're, they're the same old bad guys. It's the same old tricks, you know, just like with our technology here on earth, like I mentioned to you the other day, you know, we had a nuclear bomb. And it worked, but it wasn't enough. So, you know, now we have hydrogen bombs that would totally dwarf the nuclear bombs that we dropped back in World War II. Yeah, we'll take it like this, though. Um, go from hitting someone over the head with a rock to a hydrogen bomb. That's a huge jump. It's not Death Star to Starkiller face. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty close, though. I mean, you're, you're, you're comparing blowing up one planet as opposed to four. Yeah. It and I'm comparing to being able to kill one person after maybe 10 or 15 blunt force hits to the head. Right. Well, it's like taking, wiping. to give it scope, it's like, okay, what would happen right now if the Death Star strolled into our system and it blew up Mars or it blew up, you know, Neptune or Jupiter or something? It's like, oh man, that, that really sucks. But, so that's the Death Star. That's pretty big. But Starkiller Base doesn't even have to roll up into our system. It can be, you know, systems away and it shoots and it blows up all eight planets in our solar system. And maybe even Pluto for good measure. Pluto's a planet. <laughs> Hashtag Pluto's a planet. But I, I see what you're saying. And I think, and we talked about this a few episodes ago and Casey, I know is very much all about moving forward. Um, we know that there is another trilogy of movies in the works. They haven't really said what they're about. It's from um, uh, David and Dan from game of Thrones. And all we know and is, and, the, it's and apparently still the Ryan Johnson trilogy is still, Right, and there's a Ryan Johnson trilogy still out there. And actually, they said that Kathleen Kennedy said that she just recently sat down with Ryan Johnson and David and Dan. And we know that this other, uh, I can't remember her name now, Leda something, uh, we know that she wrote a script um, for an Old Republic movie. And so I almost think that they might be, like, they said that the next movie is David and Dan. They've announced three movies, but they have not actually said that it's a trilogy. What if it is standalone movies, like you're saying, Casey? What if it's, uh, I use this example, what if it's um, a movie set in the Old Republic and it sets some things up, but it's things in the Old Republic and maybe the Jedi before the Republic that will have impact on things in the future, a la captain america you know the the first avenger or whatever that was set you know decades and decades before um the rest of the marvel yeah i mean at that point 
the the thing is though um they contracted um david and dan from game of thrones before the last season if you look at the last season people didn't like the last season i didn't mind it i thought it was i enjoyed it um it's hard to end because i'm able to turn my brain off and just yeah, but I'm just able to turn my brain off and just watch stuff and enjoy it for what it is um, yeah. and not scrutinize every single detail. But uh, maybe it's because I work in the industry. Probably not, though, because there's people I know that work in the industry that literally hate every movie that they see. Right. Uh, I, there's a guy on my Facebook wall. Uh, he goes to movies every other day. And I haven't seen him give a positive review of a movie in probably six months. He just hates everything that he goes to see. Well, so see, at this point, I'm like, why are you even going? Yeah, you're gonna hate it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we've been kind of shifting towards, though, especially with my generation, is uh, with with the era of instant gratification over consumption. When we go to the movie, we expect to be entertained. Uh, we see how big the industry is. We see uh, the hype around the industry. And it's like, when I go to the movie and I'm paying money to watch something, I expect to leave satisfied. Anything that goes against the grain or creates uh, internal conflict, um, it leaves me up, up, upset and unhappy. And like the again, with this, with this uh, entitled generation, um, they, they almost go in there looking for things to be wrong with. Yeah. Almost, self, self, appointed critics and, yeah, with, and if you with, go in looking with a with a negative outlook on things you're going to find things wrong with it if it's a self sure. prophecy and and with the era of internet trolls and reviews and and everybody with the smartphone is a, a critic and they feel their opinions matter yeah i mean so, I, do you see where we're coming from man do you does that does that answer your question at all that i think that they're trying to draw back in, especially with the force awakens. They were trying to like, I get what you're saying with the repetition of that. Like the force awakens was very much somewhat, uh, it was, um, it mirrored, uh, a new hope, but you should look up star Wars, uh, um, ring theory. And even George Lucas has talked about how he purposefully, mirrored things and you know episode one to episode four episode two to episode um five episode three to episode six and even six to one and um four to three and he he said it's kind of like uh poetry and that these different things rhyme and so if you look at it like that and you play things play things back like that it's there is a repetition even to our own histories in life you know that we we basically go through the motions and every generation somewhat has, you know, we go through the same kind of trials and temptations, but I think that the force awakens definitely was, was safe. And JJ has said as much in a recent interview, he said, you know what, when I did, he was hesitant to take on star Wars because it's a huge responsibility. He said no, when they first approached him, and then uh, when he took it on, he said, you know what, we're going to do it like like George did. He brought in uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who was the um, screenwriter for Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi with George. And they wrote it very much. He said he wrote it 
like the Star Wars movies he knows. And then Ryan Johnson came in and I know I, I, I firmly believe in, in all the interviews, if you believe what they've been saying. And really, if you look at stuff, even since before Ryan Johnson was brought in, George Lucas had a broad idea that he gave to Disney. And I think Disney, they tweaked it with Michael Arndt. When JJ and them came in, they tweaked it, but they had an idea of where the whole trilogy was going to go. Ryan came in and he made a Star Wars movie, but he did it very differently. He subverted a bunch of expectations. And like Casey said, like people, they don't like to have their expectations subverted sometimes. And like you were saying, Matt, you know, you expect to be entertained. Although it was entertaining, it was different. JJ has now said that Ryan gave him, uh, it's almost like Ryan gave him permission that him coming back. Now he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make the star Wars movie that I want to make. I'm not going to be beholden to exactly how George did it. I'm going to do things that are different. So the rise of Skywalker could be pretty different. And he's saying he's trying to tie in the whole saga. So he's not just trying to please, you know, your father's generation, he's trying to please you and I who grew up, you know, more with the prequel movies, but also he's got to wrap up this new trilogy. It's not even that though. It's not even that because you can say all day long, they had a plan. There was a plan. And I'm sure there was, there was probably some sort of idea about where, about where it might end. But if you look at the first Iron Man movie, even a lot of the times they didn't have a script when they started the day. Right. If you look at Thor Ragnarok, a lot of that was improvised. Yeah. Um, so, and everything kind of just fell into place. Um, maybe they had an overarching plan. Um, they did obviously, because we, we see Thanos in the first, what was Avengers age of Ultron? Is that the first time we see yep. Thanos? To, no, it was the no, it was it was the first Avengers to uh to court them as to like to face them as to court death itself. Then you turn around, Thanos turns around and smiles. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, there's like this overall idea, which is fine. But when it comes down to like movie to movie, it can you know it can deviate as long as it leads towards this more grandiose idea. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, even even if I don't agree with every part of the, the story, I mean, I think we all can appreciate the art that is the visual effects, the sound effects, and the whole composition in itself. I mean, it's just what we are able to do technology-wise with this. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Well, but, um, to one of the last things I got on our docket here tonight. Tell me if you guys can hear this. Casey, I'm especially interested to see what you have to say about this. All right. I did this thing on I'm cutting Star Wars, The Rise of, of Skywalker, and we have a very short schedule because we, like, when we did Force Awakens, we started in May and we finished shooting in October. We didn't, and we were out in Christmas. And this film, we didn't start shooting till August. And so we weren't done till February shooting. And so we have like six, four, five, six months less time. And it's a very big film. So I convinced JJ to let me cut on the set. I was um, on the set the entire time. (laughs) And he got so used to it. He was like, 
no, you need to be less than 10 feet away from me at all times. So if the camera would move 10 feet, my whole, I'd move 10 feet. <laughs> and I mean, I was everywhere. It's in, outside, in a water tank. And um, I would be watching what they were shooting. I was cutting what they shot the day before. I had the DP right there to ask questions. He could ask me questions. If I needed a shot or JJ and I decided we'd need another shot, we would literally set up in a corner and do some green screenshot of something. And it just, um, getting to know the cast and having them be comfortable with me, it was a really great way to understand, know what they were going for. And there's a, it was this great moment where I'm sitting there cutting and I'm in the headphones and I'm cutting. And um, my assistant's walking towards me and she's laughing, laughing, laughing. And she goes, turn around, turn around. And turn around and Kyla in full mask and cape is sitting on an apple box just over me like this. <laughs> He's like, do you mind if I watch? <laughs> so that was uh, Marion Brandon. She's the editor for The Force Awakens and for The Rise of Skywalker. It almost sounds like they're eliminating the need for reshoots with her being there. And like JJ said, it's almost more freeing the way he's doing things. He's playing with things. He's changing it up. Do you, do you, do you think that's going to be, that that's a good sign? Um, and that's like going in a better direction than what, you know, what his first movie was for you or. I, I'm sure that Casey could offer a lot of insight here as well, but um, to set up that much equipment and um, to keep, all of the different complexities of the scripts, the emotions, the um, interactions between characters, all of that in line and be able to edit it and keep it up to date and um, basically basically keep everything running smooth. It's, it's got to be tough and it's got to be super, super challenging. And then on, on top of that, have the ability to then do reshoots and keep all of that moving simultaneously. Um, if they can pull it off, I mean, obviously, yeah, it would be very freeing and would probably free them up um, to then tackle uh, different, just for fun, different kind of um, alternate scenes yeah. and different. It would probably be very freeing in that in that aspect. But um, I don't know. It's just hard to think about someone being able to do it and, and, and run an operation that's smooth. But, I mean, if anybody could, it would be um, Disney with all of their resources and so for them, to, for, so for them to be to to cut Star Wars, on, uh, excuse me, on set, it just sound it sounds like really good quality control. It sounds like the editor really really cares, just as much as JJ really really cares, and wants to make sure that everything is kosher before they move on and can't go back without costing the studio a ton of money. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what she was saying. Was they had less time to shoot this and do this. And effectively, it sounded like they're doing reshoots that, you know, the next day that they would have done for, you know, months down the line. I've not heard any. Yeah, which, any yeah, which is, rise which of is great. Reshoots. And it's way cheaper for the studio. But I thought, didn't they push back the release of The Rise of Skywalker? Wasn't it pushed back from what it was originally announced to be? Yeah, but they still they still had a shorter window for actual production because it was supposed to come out in May. We talked about that on the day it was supposed to be coming out. Uh, we podcasted that that's when Colin Trevorrow's episode nine want to come out and JJ took over, but they came in and in order for him and his co-writer 
and for the whole, they said that they did use some stuff that was already in pre-production. Um, some things they had already been building and like the workshop was working on, but essentially they started over. So. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the thing is I trust months, but I mean, the thing is I trust JJ. Um, I really, really do. I like a lot of the stuff that he's done in the past. And I really like what he did with the force awakens. I, uh, I think that he really, really, uh, and I think Disney does too, and Disney has a ton of money. So whatever whatever needs to be done, uh, Disney's just gonna like see that. This that's a problem with like uh, big films as opposed to indie films. Because I've done indies, I've done small projects. If you have enough money, and there's a problem that comes up, you just throw money at the problem, and it goes away. Right. Uh, that doesn't happen on on indie projects. So. The story component and stuff like that, they've had plenty of time. I think that they, that they know what they're doing. And I trust, I put my faith in JJ. I, I don't, I'm not going to get mad either way. We're still getting another, another Star Wars movie and we're still going to get more. Right. We're still going to get more. So I'm not mad about it. Um, just like you uh, said, I trust JJ too. And I think he's running a tight. You know, it's just an example of like everybody says JJ runs a very tight ship when he's when he's directing a movie, and this is, I think, him tightening his belt even more, and it's given him that freedom to, like Matt was saying, um, by Matt, by the way, he had to he had to sh- take off, but uh, that it gives him the opportunity to, and we were talking about this on the podcast a few weeks ago, where there was a leak that said that. Uh, they had shot the monkey scene like four different ways that they had shot, you know, the monkey was fixing uh, Kylo Ren's helmet and then they shot it where uh, Kylo Ren was fixing his helmet. And then they shot it where the Knights of Ren was fixing his, were fixing his helmet. So if they just for to subvert and JJ's famous for that, like even uh, he he does that kind of stuff all the time. And even um, Lindelof and uh, what was his name? Damon or whatever that did uh, lost. I mean, I think we might've mentioned this before too, when they had somebody in the casket, you know, they leaked like four different people in the casket just to, just to throw people off. And so they might be doing that too, or maybe, you know, he could be like JJ says, he likes to play with things afterwards and kind of shift things around. So he has more options uh, in the editing room and in post production. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think we're in good hands course with jj and that i don't know i don't know i think it's going to be interesting to see how they keep saying like they're wrapping everything up we have a talking sith correspondence on the ground within black spire on batu yeah it's, it's fully immersive i mean look they even have arabesh on the document look at this all right, I'm going to turn the camera around because I am, man, so cool. I am walking up to the Millennium Falcon. I don't even know. If, oh, my God. It's just in, in person. In person, it is unreal. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Look at that. Like, look at this planet. Arabesh everywhere. And what's cool, too, like, even in the area when you're walking in, 
they like submerge you into this world with uh, noises. You can't even tell you're in Disneyland. You can't hear anything in Disneyland. You can't see anything in Disneyland. You are in Star Wars. This is this is where you are. I've accepted my new life. I will be living here now. But I still can't believe I'm just standing in front of the Millennium Falcon. It's so unreal. Can you walk up to it and touch it? You can't walk up to it and touch it. Like you see, it's surrounded by a. Uh, a gate, but you can walk under it over there. How tall is that? If you had a guess. How tall is it? Um, I'm probably 10 feet in the air right now. Jeez. And it's probably got another 10 to 15 feet above me. I'd say 20 to 25 feet. But it's tall. So have you had, have you had anything to eat there yet or anything to drink? I've had the blue milk. Uh, almost done. The blue milk is interesting. It's very sweet. Carl and I disagree on the flavors, though. She thinks it tastes like Skittles. I think it tastes like the uh, popsicles you get off an ice cream truck, but just the eye part. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like a bubblegummy flavor, but, but a little bit different. But uh, I'm part of the resistance, You're which is why I'm wearing my uh, Batu Coca-Cola Hashtag, please sponsor us, T-shirt. <laughs> there you go. Oh, and your pass for the lightsaber. But I got to let you go. All right, should have known. Mr. Case Schreffler. Hey, how are you? Have you returned from Batu? I, I have. I just got back. You can see my uh, authentic RFS T-shirt. Um, it, it uh, Some sort of brand, apparently, from Batu. Oh, oh man, I meant to buy a couple of those to use as Christmas ornaments on my tree. Ah. But we just got so like, excited about everything else that we forgot. You have to go back, Terry. <sighs> yeah, apparently. But um, but yeah, it was a good time. Uh, you can see I have a an emblem here on my shirt, and uh, my favorite experience I think of the entire. Oh, man, it's so hard to communicate because the entire thing is is cool like just just getting into the land you don't hear disneyland you don't hear anything if you are on the two you know what i mean you were just there there are sounds bugs critters because it's like a foresty type place when you're going into it you hear announcements of charging power droids clearance you know requesting clearance for landings and stuff like that um and then when you get in there and you start to see structures, it really blows your mind. And it's so beautiful at night. Nighttime, I'm glad we got this time slot because when we came out of Oga's Cantina, um, it was finally nighttime because our slot was from five to nine. And it was just amazing. The, uh, the lighting, like the, the, their ships like on the roof that are lit up from below, like transport ships. And you have like a, an X-Wing sitting there and obviously the Falcon just sitting there. It's, it's just super, super cool. But, um, do you have any, uh, character sightings? Yeah. Uh, there was, well, there was a bunch of first order around cause they just, you know, they're, they're in control of the planet, I think right now. Um, so you see them patrolling the streets every once in a while. They accosted a few different people asking for identification um, Kylo Ren 
came up to them and uh, escorted them away. There is a uh, Im- Imperial transport shuttle where I saw Kylo Ren use the force on what looked to be somebody high up in the Imperial fleet. Uh, it might have been an admiral, might have been a captain, but he had that sort of attire. And uh, then they went on patrol. And um, I saw Chewbacca at one point in time. And uh, I, I, I I built this lightsaber. That is cool. um, yeah, it's super cool looking. Um, I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. But I chose the green color for my lightsaber. And I ignited it as Chewbacca was walking by. And he looked at me and like nodded. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it felt pretty cool. But, uh, the yeah, so the... Uh, the place is crazy. Um, obviously, right now, it's just reservation only still. And I think it's going to be even crazier when the land opens up to the full public. Because, uh, and I, I read reviews, uh, how pe- how things like Oga's Cantina, because you have to make reservations to go back there, just like you have to do with the lightsaber building. Right. You have to go make reservations. And they said that they expect, like from the reviews that I saw, that they expect the... Uh, Oga's Cantina to sell out for the entire day within the first hour of the park opening, which means you have to get there like seven or eight in the morning. And basically sprint there to get your name in. And you probably get like the first slot, which means, okay, great. Let's go get drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, but uh, same thing with the lightsabers. So you, uh, you stand in this queue and there's a bunch of different stuff around. Oh, one thing that was super cool that I couldn't really do as much as I wanted to because my phone died. Um, there's an app called Disney Parks Play. And it has like a special like Batu portion. And it can act as a scanner, a hacker, things like that. So you can find different things around. Like you can scan crates. And in your profile, hoard things like the various kyber crystals, various equipment, things like that. Um, so that you're so you scan these crates and you're quote unquote hoarding like in an inventory just in the app. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, um, there weren't any missions available when I was there, but there's also like a mission uh, tab where you can actually accept missions, and it shows you your completed missions. There's an advanced missions thing that you have to do. I think I think you have to do the basic missions first before you can do the advanced missions. But all in all, it's just uh, super cool. Well, but, keep um, in mind, like I told you before, if you uh, if you run into some resistance people and you go up to them and you uh, you say that greeting, either like ignite the spark or keep the flame a lot, whatever the those two greetings were, they'll yeah. give you like I don't know if they scan it into your thing, but that's how you get some missions. It's from them, and you have to. Oh, I didn't hire a certain amount of interactions with the resistance people and that unlocks, it might be an advanced mission, but it unlocks some sort of mission for you. You've seen what's super cool too. And uh, how they kind of keep the spirit alive. Um, not everyone likes to role play, obviously, but when you are there and you are talking to the people who work there, obviously, right. Um, <clears throat> Because like the, I had a few different people mention my shirt, which is an exclusive shirt, either through Star Wars Celebration or certain marketing things that Disneyland did. Um, the lady was like, "Oh, I can read that," and I was like, "Yeah, it's on the bench." And she's like, "Oh, where'd you get it?" 
And I said, no, at, at uh, Celebration Chicago. She's like, oh, what planet's that? And I said, well, planet Chicago. And uh, she's like, how long did it take to get there? The city planet, much like Coruscant. I was like, she was like, how long did it take to get there? I was like, ah, it's about four hours on public transport. And she's like, oh, it's a long time. Like we have hyperspeed here. You know what I mean? Like they, they kept it, like they kept it alive. Dude. Like they won't talk about earth or anything like that. They do awesome. use the lingo. They do say, you know, bright suns for hello and stuff like that. They do actually use those words. And uh, it's super, uh, it definitely brings you in. Uh, to the environment, you know what I mean? It's it's inclusive. Everyone can have fun. Yeah, you might feel kind of stupid talking about it, but like saying that stuff, but you know, they, they probably feel stupid too <laughs> at some point in time. But if, but if you embrace it, it's, it's so fun. You know what, so like Matt was saying on the podcast earlier was, uh, you know, now nerd culture is, it's the thing like, man, don't, uh, don't be shy about uh, about it. I mean, they they built a, a land with millions of dollars for us to go and geek out. And uh, they spent a they spent a billion dollars. It's the most it's the most expensive land expansion ever for Disney. They spent a billion dollars, and it's a fourteen acre property. Yeah. So say it loud. Say it proud. You're uh, you're geeking out. <laughs> oh yeah, man! It was so cool, man. Like I didn't even go into anything beforehand. Like we went there, we went to Disney. We got there around three. We checked in. We had to check in first uh, for the reservation period, and um, we basically just like sat down. I had a drink or two because I brought a little bit of dad juice with me. Um, but uh, we we sat down, just kind of hung out and ate a little bit, and then we went. We saw like Co looks over, and it's only. 4:20 at this point in time our band was a 5 p.m uh let in and she saw people like walking in she's like i think those i, th- I think that's the five o'clock crowd let's go and i was like yeah so that's when i started uh video chatting you guys and uh sure enough that was the crowd and and all re- like 40 minutes before the band was even active they it was a huge huge line like it was it was probably like a 25 foot wide uh, corridor just packed with people for a thousand feet. And from the looks of your uh, your video you were sending us, it looks like just even that corridor entering into the land, you started to see some uh, Star Wars Star Wars like stuff. Oh yeah, no, and that's that's what I was saying before. Like as soon as you enter that corridor, Disneyland disappears. All you hear is the sound of like alien bugs birds blah 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 you don't even hear disneyland anymore you don't hear any of the rides you don't hear anybody screaming that's where you hear the um the spaceships and the yeah the, the, well not necessarily that but you hear the announcements yeah. like uh, uh like requesting landing blah 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 yeah hey, let's get a let's uh let's let's try to get this uh we're having a problem with this uh power droid let's let's get him back up and running like you hear stuff like that um that's <laughs> super cool but uh the, the thing is so there's, there's limited supply of everything um because when it comes to things like what i did with crafting a lightsaber uh they can only do so many a day and it's like 15 people per thing can craft a lightsaber 15 to 20 people can craft a lightsaber at a time and it takes 20 20 minutes or so and wow that was 
such a cool, that was my favorite experience of the entire thing. And I got chills a couple different times because uh, like even when you're in line, uh, it's a hidden workshop technically, right? Hidden from the... It's just a, a junk uh, shop or something, isn't it? A scrapyard, right? Yeah. yeah. So so they come up to you and uh, when you get in line, because they need to know how many people are building, uh, they say things like, uh, how many pieces of, like, how many pieces of scrap metal are you making today? Or something like that. And then you're just like, one, two. Some people said four, and I was like, good God. <laughs> That's what I said. You should, you know, try and... Uh, so- my my question was that I haven't been able to find out yet is so you have you have different types right the the four different types of lightsabers that you can uh, choose parts from yeah and I'm unfortunately I'm on my phone right now so I can't talk about oh actually hold on um I can because I have a handy dandy map from Galaxy's Edge which actually goes into detail about the different sabers. Uh, give me one second. There we go. Um, so there's there's four different types of sabers. There's peace and justice, power and control, elemental nature, and protection and defense. And there's also little blurbs that go with them. And a person goes around and kind of explains the values and stuff of different lightsabers. What peace and justice and such. Yeah, because uh, uh, Peace and Justice, it says, utilize salvaged scraps of fallen Jedi temples and crashed starships and Republic-era lightsaber designs that honor the galaxy's former guardians. And then you have the obvious power and control. I guess you can, uh, you can probably guess which side that belongs to. Dark side. Ah, ah, ah. Originally forged by warriors... From the dark side, objects using this lightsaber style are rumored remnants from the Sith homeworld and abandoned temples. Sith homeworld is what planet? Uh, well, originally it was Korriban. Originally it was Korriban, but now it's Moraban. <laughs> yeah, I like Korriban better. <laughs> I kind of screwed that one. Uh, and then they got uh, protection and defense, which incorporates hilt materials bearing mysterious motifs and inscriptions that reconnect users with the ancient wellspring of the force and you have elemental nature which is what i ended up going with uh because it looks so damn cool and the description is also cool too craft your lightsaber from special components born from the force and energy created by all living things like bylark bylark trees cartesian whale bones and even rancor teeth yep. you see at the, bo- the bottom of my lightsaber is a rancor teeth just like good old tenelka yeah, and I do have the uh, Brylark trees. I don't know if there's an... Oh, there's Whalebone. I have Whalebone right there. Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's super cool. The blade is removable. You just have to push in and turn. So my question was, so they, they bring you out this, uh, this tray with uh, these recovered uh, pieces of lightsaber, right, to then put together... Um, and create your hilt. Um, and there's the four different types of lightsabers that, that you can choose from. Now, you said some people were building like four different lightsabers. Is it, did it look like it was possible to like mix and match so you could take like a piece from like the elemental uh, lightsaber and then a piece from the, the power? No. 
No, you don't. No. Think um, so, so I mean, it wasn't. So when I said people saying four, and I'm just showing you right now, like you can separate the blade from the actual saber itself. But what I was, what I was, what I meant by that is, uh, they, they, they had like, yeah, it was like three or four different people in that group. You don't think they're interchangeable? Like you can, they could go home later and mix and match those pieces. Um, maybe i mean the chassis are the same so i think you probably can Um, but in terms of what you get when you go right uh, you have to choose so you have to choose a style of saber when you go in and um they even they're very strict they give you this uh pin pin that i have here right uh and it's the style of saber that you're using so and they they're very they're actually really strict about it. They they make you like they say like put it over your heart. Mm. Okay. So you have to pin it on your shirt, kind of where your heart would be, um, and then and then you go inside. And when you go inside, uh, it's just it's this dark room. It, it does look like a workshop, and there's a handful of people there three three people i think that are there uh that actually work for the workshop work for savvy and they there's this little speech about how you know how this is important and uh the lights change like the light changes on the roof and it turns green and you hear yoda's voice oh that's awesome and yoda's talking about lightsabers and i was just like man this like I was like honestly, man, it was it was it was almost like emotionally overwhelming, uh, just to like be there because you you I mean you do feel like you belong on this planet. You do feel like you're doing something. You know what I mean? Right. Especially especially just before I was scanning crates and uh, you know <laughs> collecting stuff and whatever. Arubesh and, 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 and there's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and and I was I was like watching the first order, accost people in line asking for their ID like their their identification i'm just like jesus like it just it just feels real um so when you get into this room especially after all that and uh you know being a big fan of star wars it's it's it's, it's a, like a, it's like an emotional experience um which which is why i said it was worth every penny and it, it's it's very very cool and um yeah every component uh, and, it, and it's, it's super surprising too like this is heavy this is a heavy lightsaber. It weighs much more than you think it would. It weighs much more than the Force X lightsabers that you would see people carrying around a celebration. Right. Like this is probably like if I. This is probably like, goodness gracious, eight. Really? Eight really? It's, it's, I don't. Man, I don't. Well, I know it's all. All those parts are what aluminum, probably. I mean, it's metal. They, they feel. They. I mean, they feel sturdy. And eight pounds is probably a little. A little too much of a guess, but compared to my other lightsaber, uh, which is like a Force Effects lightsaber, it's two and a half to three times heavier than that. Yeah, so you're looking at probably four pounds, maybe at least. Yeah, yeah, not eight, but it's 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 heavier than you think, and um, it's yeah it's i mean it's the blade doesn't weigh anything because it's light but right well i can you can actually remove the blade and when you remove the blade you hear a sound did you hear that yeah but yeah the hilt the hilt the blade isn't nothing but the hilt itself uh man yeah uh four four 
four pounds, three, four pounds. That's just sweet. Like, oh man, you guys got to check out the pictures we'll post on our, uh, our Instagram and on our Facebook. And just the artistry of this elemental design. So, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. And then, uh, so you also, uh, you said you have a, uh, a holocron. Yeah, I wanted to get to that after. I wanted to kind of go chronologically because the holocron is super exciting. We'll too. Go, uh, go right ahead and just, yeah, walk us through, walk us through your, uh, so you've built your lightsaber at this point. You're probably going around and well, well, any, hey. uh, stormtroopers, you just cut them down real quick. Move along. <laughs> yeah, move, move along. Nothing to see here. But uh, business. Yeah, there was time for Carl and I to go walk around. We had the uh, Ronto wrap. Uh, Carla didn't like it, but I thought it was pretty good. It's kind of like a euro with yep. a mix of like euro meat. There's also like a hot dog type thing in there. I thought it was pretty delicious. Um, but uh, there's yeah, there's so there's a bunch of different shops. See, there's four or five different shops. There's the first order shop, which is basically just first order gear. And I took a photo of this. Josh, I will send you this photo so you can post it. You can buy there a full set of first order armor. After tax, it will cost you $7,000. 7,000 credits. Oh, man. So what makes it, uh, in your opinion... Is it worth seven thousand dollars? Like, what makes it so much more special than like uh, the gear we see people running around at, you know, at uh, celebration of the five hundred first and stuff? Uh, nothing. Uh, the that thing is, is with the the, the the people that the people that do the celebration five hundred first type thing, they're movie accurate. Uh, some of that stuff's probably some of it's made, some of it's bought, obviously. But um, you could make it for a quarter of that price. Right, but you just have to put the time in. Yeah, that so that, that's that's the difference. And this is and this is something that Disney is selling. Disney sells water for like five bucks. So <laughs> you you know what I mean? They're they're overcharging by two, three times what things should probably cost. Right. Um, usually. But it does look cool. It does look cool. And I do have a photo of it and I have a I have a I think I have a video of me going down to the price and it was 6,600 something before tax and tax out here is 9.5%. So you're looking at easily 7,000 plus dollars just for that. Um, but they have other first order gear. You can buy Caliburn's helmet. You can buy things, you know, shirts, you can buy uh, first order, uh, like uh, the hats. Yeah. The, with the, like the fins on it. Okay. Um, there's a toy, there's a shop, there's a toy shop, and uh, it's, there, there wasn't one there, but the toy shop is ran by a Tordarian. A mind tricks don't work on me. Only money. money. But uh, it's a bunch of different, like, various toys and stuff like that. Uh, it was, it, like, it was, it was, it was interesting. I didn't buy anything there. No credit, um, no toys, no I didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I did go to the Black Spire Outfitters, which had, and I do have photos and stuff that I can send you to post of uh, the authentic uh, Jedi gear. And man, that stuff looks super dope. It looks as ragged as you like made out of like burlap. You know, right. what I mean? like it. Oh, I mean, not not necessarily not burlap, I mean, but yeah, it looks legit. It's like it's what yeah. they. It looks worn. It. Uh, so, uh, how much you got to drop for a set of Jedi robes? Man, I didn't even look at prices to be honest, because I knew I wasn't gonna fucking buy it. Because <laughs> I, because like the only reason I got a lightsaber, I was gonna do it because Carly and I we have our three year wedding anniversary coming up and we're doing Vegas this weekend and we've already spent a good amount of money on that. So I didn't really want to do a light. I, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do a lightsaber because we're going to be spending a lot of money. And then I was like, well, let me ask the boys. What no, I we <laughs> friends. Oh yeah. No, you guys, you guys both voted, voted me out. So I was like, okay. Yeah. You guys both said saber. And I was like, okay. I heard. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've heard from, bunch of the other podcasters and stuff and other reviews i've watched because man i know i'm not going anytime soon so i was not trying to stay away from spoilers so uh that basically the lightsaber building experience is like there were some people complaining like yeah i don't know about this price tag but afterwards they were like man just the experience is well worth it what what what, what was the first thing i messaged you after i got out well it was worth every penny yeah absolutely absolutely i'm glad i did it and that's Thank why you. i was like man do it do the you gotta do the lightsaber thing while you're there <laughs> yeah no absolutely there's no doubt in my mind i, I would 100 percent do it again so like uh when we do celebration if you guys come out here in august i would love to go i'm um 100 yeah i'll do it i'll do it again but those tickets go on sale in like two days which again makes it a very expensive week for me but uh we're getting the jedi master passes this time right if we can uh, nope. <laughs> like and share this channel so we can get media badges. Yeah. Um, and then and then I'll sell you mine that I'm gonna buy anyway for a discount. But uh, but yeah, the lightsaber building was so fun. Uh, it was like if you can like I, if if you're gonna go anytime soon or go at all, don't watch videos of it because there's tons of videos on there. Just go and experience it. Cause Carla was recording; she recorded the entire thing. And uh, if you want to watch it, you can. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Just go, I wouldn't. Go. Yeah, I would. I, I would have wanted to go in just like I did, and uh, and and just have a good time. Um, it's super cool. And, and actually, at. Uh, there's there's a place, uh, the Resistance Supply, I think, is what it was. You can go there, and you can actually purchase uh, replica lightsabers that are already already in existence. Luke's, Obi Wan's, Ray's, yep. and you also and then you purchase the blade separately. Like I think Obi Wan's lightsaber costs about two hundred bucks as well, but you don't get to build it. Right. Yeah. Um, you just you just you just buy it. The, I guess your blade would work in that. From what I hear, uh, your yeah, blade will work in that. And so, like, uh, when you put it in Luke's, it'll light up green. When you, Then you take the same blade out. You put it in Obi-Wan's, it'll light up blue. Mace Windu's is purple. 
Yeah, because uh, in those hilts, the color is already predetermined. Right, right. Whereas in, whereas in my hilt, my blade is determined by the color of the kyber crystal that I put in the middle of it. So I can actually change the color of my lightsaber um, by replacing that crystal. Whereas um, you can't in, uh, in, in the pre-made uh, replica hilts that you buy. Right, right. But uh, yes, it's, man, the entire thing is super cool. Uh, I, I did go to also to uh, um, the creature stall. Unfortunately, they were, all the uh, Kowakian monkey lizards, a.k.a. Salacious Chrome, were adopted by the time I went there, which wasn't even that long. Uh, this was probably like 45 minutes into our experience. They were gone. So they just, so how many slots were there throughout today that you could get? reservations for uh, you know i i don't know um there was a decent amount of people there uh, uh I, it was i mean it was what you would expect for a normal park right like a like a normal uh section of the park but it um obviously they restricted it to to make it accessible and fun for the first month and i think i think they're still probably going to restrict it because you can't have just a mass of people. Yeah, you just, you just can't have that. So I think there's going to be maybe like a fast pass type thing or like when you go to the park, you say what time you want to go to this thing. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, it was busy, but it was busy because like the things that were popular that everyone wanted to do, like building a lightsaber or going to Oga's Cantina, you had to go and get in line and, and it's actually funny when we first went, when we got in there, uh, I was going to Savi's workshop to get in line for the lightsaber because I wanted to make a lightsaber after you guys had convinced me to do so. Thank you. I'll uh, be sending you both a bill. And then uh, <laughs> and Carla went to Oga's Cantina to get a reservation in, but um, this like Carla is the map for Disneyland. She knows where everything is in Disneyland, but this was this was a place that was new to her, so she didn't know where to go and what to do. But so right. she was following like what people were telling her to do, and she uh, got in line, but like lost her place in line. So we weren't gonna get to go to Oga's Cantina, and I got kind of pissy with her, and I was like, "Well, you know where I am? I'm in line at Savi's. Found that because I asked." <laughs> And uh, and then she came back. She she found me, and uh, she used a she used a, an old Schreffler Jones trick. Oh. Um, she she went up to like uh, one of the helpers, one of the uh, you know resistance people there, who worked for Disney, and was like, "Yeah, I, I lost my place in line." And the guy was like, "Do you remember who was in front of you?" Carla didn't remember, so it was basically like kick rocks, you know. Right. I don't remember. So uh, she waited like five minutes and went up to a different person and uh, put on the panic face. It was like, oh my God, like I, I, don't know, I just got so confused. I was here. Um, it's just me and my husband. Like, what do I do? And the, uh, the lady called the supervisor over. So Carla's like, oh shit. Um, and apparently, and Carla's, the way she puts it, uh, she said she probably looked like she was about to cry. 
and the supervisor asked her how many people was with her. And she's like, it's just me and my husband. So they took her to the very front of the line. <laughs> oh, come on. All those poor people that had to wait in line the whole time. Well, well, no, I mean, she would have been in line, but right. if she yeah, got she back in, if, if she would have got back in line, we wouldn't have gotten in. Right. So right. she did. She, she, you know, she, she, uh, she, she cried wolf. I almost feel sorry for those other people. And you know, like when you, when you go there, like you're limited to, like we were limited, limited to two drinks and 45 minutes inside, but that's not enforced. We could have ordered more drinks. We ordered five drinks, and I think I spent eighty dollars. You ordered five, so you're you're limited to two. You got five, and well, no, we got well, we're limited to two per person, so we're limited to four. Okay, okay. Probably didn't like one of her drinks, so she ordered the uh, like the blue milk with the cookie on top. Right. But uh, one of the drinks, the the tauntaun, uh, what was that? What, what was that called? The tauntaun. Was he tauntaun? Fuzzy Tauntaun. Oh my God, that drink was insane. That drink, the foam, like it's, it's, they call it, it's topped with buzz foam. Okay. And uh, that foam has something in it. And when it touches your lips or like the tip of your tongue, your lips and the tip of your tongue tingle and kind of go numb. It's called lighting. They tingle. <laughs> I I doubt it. It's, it's I mean, well, who knows? It's a smuggler's outpost, so it's called spice. But, but yeah, no, I I don't know. Uh, even the, the person that we were ordering from didn't. She's like, she's like, I make it every day. I have no idea exactly what it is. But uh, yeah, that didn't like your lips just tingle and go numb. And Carla hated it, and I was like, wow, this is almost kind of addicting. This is. Right. Yeah, cool. You know, and 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 this is me being the anxiety guy. You know what I mean? The, and and most of my anxiety is health anxiety as it is. So, uh, yeah, you. Uh, I was just like, oh wow, this is cool. They wouldn't serve like it's Disneyland. They're not going to serve it. It's going to kill me. So I was just like, I kept touching it to my lips, and I was just like, my God, it, it literally like tingles and numbness. It's very very hard to describe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, uh, it was something very, very peculiar. I also took pictures of the, uh, menu there. Um, uh, another drink I had was the Jedi mind trick and I had, uh, a something speeder, which was, uh, I, I can't look right now. Um, maybe I can. You can tell me if you can still hear me if I minimize this. Can you still hear me? I can hear you right now. Great. Yeah. Um, so the other drink that we had, maybe I took it on Carla's phone. Was that the one that was like uh, red and smoking almost? No. So that's actually a non-alcoholic drink. That wasn't my drink. Okay. Um, so with that one, Actually, I can't even, I think I took the photos on Carlos' phone, so I can't pull up the menu at this moment. But that drink, no, that was like a carbon something, and uh, it, it has like carbon boba, drink. it has like boba in it, and the bottom is 
dry ice, basically. Okay, okay. So it creates this like bubbling, and it looks like beer. Uh, there's a red drink that does have this like smoking effect, which I think is also dry ice. But uh, if you're looking to go to Oga's and get drunk, I would not. <laughs> I would sneak in booze like I always do to Disneyland. What? Can you do that? Oh, vodka in a water bottle. <laughs> Concealment times 10. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because it's, it's so expensive. Like every drink's 11 to 15 bucks. You can get the mugs to take home with you. There are these ceramic uh, mugs. One of them costs for the alcoholic mug. It's an indoor one. It's like forty-two bucks, and for the non-alcoholic one, it's thirty-two-ish. There's thirty-two, thirty-eight. Um, so you get a drink in it, and then you get to keep the mug. So essentially, you're paying for two drinks and getting one, but you get a mug. Right. Well, for the alcoholic one, you're probably paying for two and a half to three drinks, and then keeping the mug. Right. But uh, if you're looking to get, like I said, if you're looking to get drunk, don't do it there because they don't they don't actually pour. Hmm. Everything's pre-made so that from stations, so they just fill up a glass. Okay. So there's no like tipping a bartender and hoping to get a little bit more. Right, right. Unless they just put you a whole nother glass. Yeah. There's so uh, and it's like I said, it's Disney, so I doubt. Maybe if you get enough tips, you know, or if you unlock enough crates. Right. Might be able to. So so after you went to Olga's, where'd you head off to? Um, so I, uh, we, we walked around to the different shops again, and then, uh, I wanted to make a visit to Doc Ondar's and, uh, there's, there's a line. There is a line Wait, to get into Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. Doc Ondar is actually mentioned in a Star Wars movie. Do you know which one it is? I'm guessing Rogue One. Nope. Solo. Yes. Yeah, I knew it was one of the... Uh, it's uh, Kira. I believe it's Kira who mentions, um, like, oh, we have something for Doc Ondar. Don't keep Dr. Ondar waiting. So I'm guessing uh, between him and Dryden Voss, you know, pretty big collectors. Probably hang out in the same, uh, you know, collecting circles. Yeah, I mean... He seems he seems like an interesting guy, uh, and what's cool, like so, you have to wait in line to get in, and the line is broken up by a pathway. So there's a, a member of the resistance there asking how many people are in your party, and then letting you go forward. And then to even get into the shop, you have to wait until people leave. And there's another resistance member saying, "How many people in your party? Okay, go ahead, go in," or you have to wait a second. But when you go in there, uh, there's tons of tons of trinkets and things. Um, like when you first go in, there's uh, my, my phone was at the time, so I couldn't take any photos, and Carla didn't go in with me. Uh, there's uh, obviously there's a wall that's lit up from the bottom uh, with holocrons, both Jedi and Sith, and you have. Like the Jedi holocrons have a blue light underneath, so they kind of glow a little bit in 
they work as soon as you get them. Like you just got to turn the corners and they power on. Um, the Sith one's the same thing. The Jedi holocrons are square. The Sith holocrons are triangles, just like you would expect in, you know, current lore. But uh, what was super cool to me, and I even, I stood there for like five minutes and just watched uh, in a giant cage, like a circular cage, there's an Athorian that's there and he's talking and like listening to messages that come to him and stuff like that. And you can, you can hear the messages too. But when he talks, he, like Athorians, you like their mouths are super wide and it's mostly just on the sides. You can actually see the sides of his mouth like move. Yeah, like, yeah, he looks real. That's uh, that's Doc Ondar. That's the no, Doc on. That's Doc Ondar. That's Doc Ondar. There's actually a oh, comic man. coming out that's about him. That's the, why I know that's uh, that's him. But yeah, it's yeah. the easy Athorian there. Yeah, man. Like it's. I even watched his eyes. Like uh, he, he blinks and stuff, and his his movements are so smooth. He just looks real. Oh, yeah, he looks so real. And uh, in the area where you buy the holocrons, you can also buy different versions of the kyber crystal. Um, they have four colors available, which are the stereotypical four colors that you can do in building your lightsaber, which is red, green, blue, and magenta, I guess, purple. 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 Uh, Samuel Jackson. And I, I even hear, like, uh, I, I went through the instructions when I got home. I paid 50 bucks for for this Jedi holocron. And uh, uh, apparently, not only, so because I, I, I didn't even know, I didn't know until you had said that you'd get different things, like you can put a kyber crystal into it. I didn't know that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, this is cool. And I turn it on, and it glows blue or whatever. But uh, you turn it on, and there's a button on the side, and you press and hold it to hear secret messages. And those messages change depending on what type of kyber crystal you have in it. And also, uh, I looked at the back. Um, you were kind of in disbelief when I mentioned this before. But you can connect a Jedi and Sith holocron to unlock secret messages. So you, you can like put them to merge them together? Yeah, I don't know if they actually click in together uh, or they just sit on top of each other. But um, this did happen in uh, Star Wars Rebels. They actually were like in a meditation thing and the holocron started twisting and stuff. A lot like what yours does, the corners of them twist. But then they came apart and then they reconfigured like some of the blue went on to the Sith one and some of the red went on to the Jedi one. That's... Yeah, it, it it tells you how to put them together. I think they just kind of sit on top of each other, so they're close together. That's only awesome. kind of with each other. Uh, but it does say um, so. Just like in the Jedi Helicron, uh, you have to press buttons on the opposite side of the Kyber Crystal door to hear the message that is contained within. But when you connect, and same thing with the Sith Helicron, when you connect them both together and they're both activated. Um, you press and hold two sides of the Sith Holocron to hear the secret message. And it says uh, on the instructions here, the Jedi and Sith have curated enormous amounts of information about the galaxy and the Force. Holocrons like this store this valuable data. So 
and that's and that's with the photo of both of them together connected yes so let's but, uh, hear this, uh, see this let me wisdom <laughs> jedi masters well, let me take out my current kyber crystal and see what it plays i haven't uh, i haven't actually tried to listen to a message Without a it lights up like this. And it plays sounds. I'm going to press the buttons now. This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. Oh, man. All right, so just like, yeah, in, like that. in Star Wars Rebels, this is the same thing that happened. Uh, Jedi Kane and Jarrus had a uh, kyber crystal, and it basically was like, you know, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, we see Obi-Wan was sending out that beacon to the Jedi, and this is how they're receiving it, through their kyber crystals. That makes a shit ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, especially after hearing this. Oh my god. But you see, what's crazy though, I'm going to play another one, because uh, I think there's three or four different messages, but when you put in a kyber crystal... I don't know how it knows what color it is or what, but uh, it changes who is speaking. So I'm gonna I'm gonna press it again here and see what it says. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Do not return to the temple. That time has passed, and our future is uncertain. Wow, that's so that's cool, message, man. That's awesome. <laughs> it's the first time I'm hearing this. So. <laughs> so, there's there's one there there's at least one more I think I think there's three. Come on. We will each be challenged. Our trust, our faith, our friendships, but we must persevere. And in time, a new hope will emerge. May the force be with you always. <sighs> Dude, I just got chills. <laughs> In time, a new hope will. Oh my God, <laughs> that's awesome! I almost want to cry. I want to see if there's one more. If not, I'll, I'll put in the blue crystal and see. This is Master Obi Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and yeah, the Republic have fallen. The dark shadow of the Empire rises to take them. I'm going to shut down this holocron. Goodbye, young Obi-Wan. So that's the last message that uh, whoever the Jedi was that owned that received. Man, that's so cool. In their voicemail. That's so cool, isn't it? So awesome. <laughs> that's like the coolest thing ever. Like once, Like, wow, once that connection was made... Uh, holy cow. Like, that has so much impact. Yeah. That's... Oh, my God. And even references references in New Hope. Yep. Oh, my goodness. 20 years beforehand, Obi-Wan, he knew. So now I'm going to open the kyber door on this side. I'm going to put in my blue... Man, I wish I would have bought more crystals now. Damn it. Uh, putting in the blue kyber crystal... And uh, I believe this is old Obi-Wan. So I'm turning the sides cool. to activate it. Give it a little squeeze, squeeze. Oh, 
this is the uh, a young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. Whoa, so old Obi-Wan. <laughs> That's cool. Let's see what else he has to say. Remember, a Jedi can feel the Force flowing through him. And the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. So now we're into the New Hope era, Obi-Wan. Yep, yep. Man, you're going to make me just deconstruct my lightsaber to pry out my green kyber crystal to see what that has to say after this. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, hold on. Come on, Obi-Wan. There's another one over here. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. Ooh. Ooh. That's such a good line. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. See, there's one more. A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, no. helped the Empire hunt and destroy. All right, so now I gotta take apart my lightsaber. Just awesome listening to him in a new context, having uh, something in front of you that's a quote-unquote, you know, artifact. But dude, the the, the well, no, like, cause those are movie lines. Obviously, what blew my mind about this. Because I hadn't heard the original. I, I only heard a little bit of the blue kyber crystal. Right. I didn't hear young Obi-Wan giving that, sending that message out. That literally blew my mind. So, all right. I got to unscrew. Uh, you see it? There it is. Inside. Unearth the green kyber inside the, the kyber chamber. And what's super cool too is when you're building the lightsaber, like you you see it in you see it in the middle there, right? When you're, when you're building the lightsaber, they walk around with like a case of these crystals, and they're all lit up inside of the case. And uh, I already had a blue one, so I went ahead and got the green kyber crystal. I just hope I can reconstruct my lightsaber without assistance. Um. <laughs> Just meditate. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to put in my green kyber crystal and see how that changes. Man, I want to know what the Sith holocron says now, especially what the Sith holocron says without a crystal in it. Oh, it lights up green. Green now. Oh, my God. How does it know? It lights up green. It was lighting up blue the last two times. It light up a little blue originally, a little blue with the blue kyber crystal. Now it's lighting up green. Damn myself for not buying the other kyber crystals. <laughs> How much do they soak you for a kyber crystal? Thirteen dollars. Not too bad. Concentrate. 
sensitive to touch with the holocron than the blue and without the blue the kyber crystal. Interesting. A long time fought I did, consumed by fear that was, though see it I did not. A challenge lifelong it is not to bend fear into anger. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. Oh. Is there another one? I don't know if it's just talking in that sound or if I'm doing it. <laughs> Thousands of Jedi once there were. This is old then came war in our elegance. Join the country. Yeah, I mean, look at it. We did. That's fear, right. anger, hate. Lighting up with the voice. Yeah, it's so it, it, as it speaks, uh, it lights up. Lights you, up. You're shutting down. With like this, yeah. So you turn the corners, like you turn opposite corners, like this. Watch. Yep. And well, it's like force sensitive. If you can unlock it, force sensitive. All right, now have to put your it. red kyber in. Your, uh... Yeah, I don't. I, man, I, I, see, now that I knew this, I didn't know this. Now that I know this, let me put in the blue kyber on my lightsaber. And can, see you activate, can you activate your lightsaber while the kyber crystal is um, exposed? Uh, maybe. Actually, no. Because on the on the activator. So this yeah, this is a metal this is this is actual real like this is heavy, the button here. We slide it up and down. It connects to it. Maybe I can do it with one in. But uh let me put in the blue and actually see if it ignites blue. So uh, the the top part of the kyber crystal chamber is kind of like a spring type thing. So it allows you to push up. Oh yeah, so. Well, I'd say, I think, uh, 
Batu has succeeded in its goal because the sounds of things, your only regret is not buying more things. Uh, all right. Dark Lord Iger. All right, that is. So, hold on. I, uh, yeah, so I can. I can ignite it. It's just, so now it's blue. That's pretty sweet, man. Like, that looks pretty, it looks pretty good. That's It's got a good bright blade there. Yeah, no, so now it's blue. And, and uh, that's just with, just with changing now, this so, little this little thing here. When you don't have a kyber crystal in there, what's it do? Good question. Let's find out. Oh, did you hear that? This is what it does. <laughs> it, 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 it shorts out. There's nothing. It does nothing because it can do nothing. Yes, there's not a kyber crystal. Yeah, I went with the force. The force is me. That's spectacular. Wow, dude. Holy shit. This, no, this, this, like, this just, now that I'm home and know all this stuff, it makes it that much cooler. And I just wish I would have known. So I would have, I would have gotten more. <laughs> you would have bought more. Of this stuff. Yeah, I would have. I mean, I would have bought the Sith Holocron too. You know what I mean? Like, that's where Disney failed. So yeah, so like like listen to this. Like this this is what it sounds like when I put in the crystal. Somehow it knows the color of the crystal, but uh, I'm gonna try to keep it close to my headset. So I'm putting in the green one now. That's awesome. And, it, and the crystal, can you see? Yep. Yep. Just sits in there. Kind of lights up a little bit. Yep. Yeah, it does. Like you see it lighting up. Yeah, it's illuminated. It's glowing green. And then you just put in that, and I can put it in the other side too. But it's still—I mean, you can still see—you can see the crystal glowing in there still. Man, can you turn it down just like that? Man, I would just leave it exposed like that. That's kind of yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I. How how well how snug is that kind of thing? How snug is what? How snug is that crystal in there? It's pretty tight, like. Like I can't knock it out like this. And, so like go and like craft myself a little piece of like acrylic. You know, like that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you can you can ignite it with one side. And you can have the crystal exposed, exposed right there. And that's if you sweet. wanted to. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put it. So any other uh, outstanding things? I mean. So that's kind of what the chassis looks like. It's um, the chassis itself isn't metal, but the surround or very you know heavy duty. But the surrounding duraplast, is, isn't it? Duraplast. Yeah, but the surround like this, what surrounds it is pretty sturdy. Um, but uh, the, obviously, there's the ride smugglers run. My wife went on it a couple different times. Uh, she enjoyed it a lot. She said it's kind of like playing a video game. Right. It's kind of it's kind of like VR, which might be the reason why I can get on it eventually. Is because I do do. Uh, said 
said do do. I do do. I do do VR. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so there's, there's three separate positions, six people per thing. Uh, in her case, one of the trips, there's only three people. There's two pilots and just one gunner, which was her. Because everyone wants to be the pilot. Uh, the pilot sits in the front. Um, the left pilot controls lateral movements. So you're moving left and right. The right pilot controls up and down and also engages the hyperdrive. There's two gunners behind them. That's a which are, there, man. Yeah, which are... Hyperdrive. Yeah, I know, right? Like, that That sounds so awesome. Um, there's two people behind them that are the gunners that are firing at the people around them. And then behind them, there's two engineers which keep the ship together. And there's, like, all in all, there's over 200 buttons that you can press uh, that actually do stuff. But uh, we need to press a button. It will illuminate green. And apparently, from what Carla was saying, uh, all she could hear from the engineer like while she was one, like the lights just like, especially if the pilots are messing up, the entire mission success depends on the pilots. If the, if the pilots aren't good, you're going to fail the mission. You're going to owe credits. To the yeah. You're going to, you're going to owe credits because you, yeah, because at, at the bare minimum, you get one capsule of coaxium. Um, even if you get one, you're going to owe credits at the end because the ship's probably been destroyed. There's no reason for that to happen. But like the engineers, like yeah, like you gotta, like, they're, they're constantly like boom, 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 pressing buttons, which is kind of reminiscent of the VR game that I play called, I think it's called The Bridge. It's uh, it's a Star Trek game where you are literally what? the bridge cr- bridge crew. For what? Star Trek. <laughs> But I do play that on Plus, VR. We suddenly lost Casey. I don't know what happened to him. We might not be hearing from him. Um, <laughs> no, if you, if you remember, I, I wish other people would have heard me. I said it pretty loud, but I was I was video chatting you guys when you were, we were in, while, while we were yeah while we were in queue, and I was like, oh man, the Star Trek land seems pretty popular, huh? <laughs> and nobody even looked at me. So, and I said it twice. I want, so you said you lose, you'll owe credits. Is this the same credits that you're amassing by like uh, going down and getting your on the app? Then you see, I think maybe that is kind of what they're trying to do. Yeah, because if you if you read the descriptions, how you do in Smuggler's Run apparently will follow you around Black Spire Outpost, and from what I hear. If you do a terrible job, it's not uncommon to be at Oga's Cantina and have a bounty hunter tap you on your shoulder type thing. Bounty hunter. Um, I didn't experience that. I didn't see that. Uh, I think they're still trying to figure out a little bit of everything. But when you, uh, so even when you scan these crates that I was scanning to find different things, um, you have to solve a little puzzle. You have to, uh, it's like one, one of those puzzles with the fit pieces together. Like a, yeah, like a Tetris kind of thing. <laughs> which, is a, which is obviously a puzzle. <laughs> it's one of those puzzles where you have to put pieces together, Josh. Shocking. Oh my gosh, revolutionary. <laughs> I, I do have a question for, I, I don't know if you can answer this or if Carla can answer this. I heard 
I heard something uh, that was kind of concerning to me. Now, are there actual, actual like yolks in the Falcon for the two pilots, or are they just buttons? Oh no! So uh, with uh, depending on what you're doing, uh, if you're the right pilot, you're up and down. You have like an up and down movement lever. Okay. If you're left and right, you have a left and right left movement right. lever. Okay, good. And the right pilot who does the hyperdrive, like, yeah, you grab it and punch it. You know what I mean? I wonder in The Force Awakens, Ray was like reaching across and straddling the uh, the entire cockpit of the Falcon. She was having to yeah. do left and right and up and down at the same time. And well, which, 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 which kind of confuses me because if you look at the movies, Han was always sitting in the left seat. So he would only have control of left and right while Chewie would have had control of up and down and the hyperdrive. Oh, which, but, yeah, which, 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 which makes sense because he always said, punch it. Right, yeah. So, so yeah, Chewie did that. Chewie did one, Yeah, Chewie's usually the one who actually engages the hyperdrive. I bet you old uh, Hondo and Naka, that old pirate, Probably uh, made some modifications, messed it all up. Uh, no, I don't know because the right pilot does the up and down in the hyperdrive, just like Chewie would have, right in that seat, and the left pilot was just left and right, whereas which is where Han was sitting. Interesting, interesting. See, so it'd be super cool. Like, uh, man, like, uh, what would have made it a little bit better? I think, um, is if they had like the gunners sit in their own little pods where they're actually like in the, yeah. gun, the turrets like, and they and they can turn and whatever and shoot like that man that'd be that's uncanny valley territory right there though but apparently the next ride rise of the resistance is supposed to be, supposed to be out of this world man it, well it's you know it's, it's on batu out so. of that world even but um, it's it's supposed to be like a twenty minute experience with like five minutes of intense type stuff with dozens upon dozens of animatronics and stuff like that. But like imagine the way I'm imagining it is like it's a small world with all right. those animatronics, you know what I mean? And you're like going through this boring adventure listening to it's a small world after all in like forty different languages. God, shoot me if I ever have to go on that ride again. <laughs> but um, but uh, like, but imagine all those little tiny children who are singing "It's a Small World" as like droids or First Order or Resistance. I did that ride twenty years ago, and that was enough for me. But yeah, yeah. No, I did it recently, and it's like it's it's. It's fun to see my daughter, who is 20 months old, her response and her watching it. She fell asleep one time, like two minutes into the ride, and I was like, why am I here? I can't wait to take, just like we talked about before, a celebration. Like, man, there's part of me that really wants, like, I'm excited to take Grace to Galaxy's Edge, but I don't know if I'm going to take her just yet. But uh, maybe. I mean... I mean, I, I know she'll be excited because she loves like, and I, a lot of the cast members, it looks like interact, of course, a lot more with the children. Like I've seen videos of like, um, yeah, even even in the uh, even in the lightsaber building area, um, they she singled out a kid and asked his name. His name was Alex, 
and uh, said something about like finding a new hope. Maybe it'll be you, Alex. You know what I mean? So they, they do put an emphasis on, on children. It's like, again, Disney. Star Wars is all about children. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I can't wait to go. I think I'm going to uh, look at how I was, I was mad that we didn't take Natalia today. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's what I keep thinking now. Like, man, you're talking about all this stuff and just watching the videos and everything. And I'm just replaying the way Grace reacted to everything at Star Wars Celebration. And this is going to be, but you know, like we talked about like that to like Sean was saying to Grace, to Natalia, when they see Chewbacca, even at Star Wars Celebration, it is real to them. And it sounds to me like those barriers, you know, th- those lines were kind of blurred even to to an adult. <laughs> yeah, they are. Dude, you feel you feel like you're not there because like I said, the people when they talk to you, they don't acknowledge Earth. They're like, oh, they, they say something like they said something about my shirt. And I was like, Yeah, I got that at Celebration Chicago. They're like, Oh, what planet is that? Right? <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> And the, and the, and the, and again, like I said, they asked me, like, uh, like how long did it take me to fly there? And I, you know, and I was like, well, on public transport, it was about four hours. And they're like, wow, they don't have hyperspeed in your planet. <laughs> I was just like, jeez, this is. I, I was talking to my sister who lives down in Florida. Um, actually, my niece just got a job as a security guard for Universal, and I told her that she most definitely picked the wrong company right now. That uh, she's like, yeah, I can probably get you into Universal. And I was like, well, I really don't care about Universal right now. Why? Why didn't you go get a job as a security guard at Disney? My my old producing partner used to work at Universal in their marketing department, and they were and they were working on their new uh, monster universe. They were going to create like a monster cinematic universe. You know what the you know what the first uh, movie of that universe was? Godzilla, not uh, the King Kong one. Nope. Call Island. What was it? Nope. The oh mummy no, 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 no. I'm thinking Cruise. of the wrong thing. The Mummy. Yeah, the Mummy. I'm thinking of the Tom big Cruise. monsters. You're talking about like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde and yeah, yeah. There. So uh, the Mummy with Tom Cruise, which bombed. Yeah. Well, they should have brought Brendan Fraser back. Should have brought back. Dude, Brandon Fraser is dope. He was dope, and he still is dope. I want him. I want to see him in another role like that because the the original Mummy and the Mummy Returns even was very fun. They're super fun movies. Oh yeah, I love those movies. Yeah, they're great. Absolutely fantastic. I, I they're on TV maybe like once or twice a month, and uh, if I catch it, I watch it. Yeah, I have but, a. I have a friend that uh, had never seen them. And so for probably about a year, I was like, man, we got to watch the mummy together. We got to watch. I love watching. uh, So I love watching movies. I love absorbing movies. Just like you. I, I, I get a high enjoyment factor, even out of movies that a lot of people, other people don't think are spectacular. It's like, I'm, I just invest myself in it. I kind of turn, like you said, I turn my mind off and I'm able to just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, but uh, then, especially in movies that I really like and that I realize are really awesome, like especially like something like Star Wars or The Mummy or like the Matrix movies or The Lord of the Rings, um, I almost get like that glimmer of like first time watching it. If I'm watching somebody else watch it, 
Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, this this friend, I was like, man, we got to watch the mummy. We got to watch the mummy. We got to watch the mummy together. And things would always come up. He'd be like, oh, I can't tonight or whatever. So then randomly, like a couple months ago, he's like, oh, yeah, I watched I watched the mummy and the mummy returns. They were, they were really good. I was like, you son of a. Went and watched watch it without you. It without me. Thanks. I've been, and, and I'll do like, I purposely hadn't watched the movies for like over a year and a half because I was like waiting and saving up to watch it with him. So like it'd come on. I'm like, nope, not going to watch it. I want to just going to wait a little more special. Yeah. Dick move by your friend. Now it's, uh, now it's just like, I haven't watched it since then either. Cause it's just a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I'll catch portions of it on tv occasionally and uh it's it's always a good time i'm i've been man even my wife carla i can't get her to watch certain things uh i've been trying to get her to agree to watch lord of the rings she hasn't you know, watched lord of the rings she's, she hasn't seen that she hasn't seen the matrix she hasn't seen gladiator gladiator is my favorite movie outside yeah. of star wars like outside yeah. of franchises like the standalone movie yeah. yeah she hasn't she hasn't watched any of that stuff but she watched game of thrones and i was like okay you watch game of thrones um you know the inspiration for game of thrones right <laughs> it was this it was lord of the rings yes so i'm man i don't know i'm, I'm gonna have to try and find uh we're going to Vegas this weekend. Maybe instead of gambling or going out, we'll just sit in a hotel and we'll make her walk. I'll tie her down. I'll be like, uh, I'll tie her down. And I'll tie, I'll, I'll tie her down and, and make her think it's going to be some sort of like sexy type thing. Oh, no. What are you going to do to me? I'm going to, baby, baby, you know, you know you're hot. You know I'm hot for you. You know it's hotter. Mordor. <laughs> I was there 3,000 years ago. Yishildor! <laughs> Did you see that post that I put on Facebook? I think so. <laughs> the meme was... The old ball mouses and how you used to have to take them apart and and clean the ball and like take a Q-tip and clean the sensor and the wheels off inside, just <laughs> and, and the meme was Elrond the 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 elf from Lord of the Rings like that's what he was saying I was there three thousand years ago when you still had to clean ball mouses kids today they don't even know what a ball mouse is it's just crazy how far technology's come these days you remember when we were playing star wars galaxies yeah and now you get to go and walk through star wars galaxies in real life but um yeah you do. <laughs> that uh the how much ram did we need for that do you remember that do you remember i think it was like uh recommended like the 128 or like it was minimum 128 recommended 256 megabytes megabytes and now my phone has a octa-core <laughs> octa-core processor and uh four gigabytes of ram 
Yeah, it's insane. Like I, I, dude, I remember, like uh, I remember you getting in trouble by uh, the guy I used to work with, David. Like, hooking, yeah, for hooking me up with REM, and I went from two fifty six to five twelve, and at that point in time, uh, so five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM. And at that point in time, that was like pretty damn good. And uh, I remember you coming over and we installed it. And you're like, okay, let's, uh, we're playing Star Wars Galaxy at the time. And the big planet was uh, Karelia. Coronet was the city. And uh, you're like, okay, hop on your speeder. If you can fly around there without leg, then, then, then awesome. And uh, I remember doing it. And it was just like, oh my goodness, 512 megabytes of RAM is so much. It really did the trick. And actually, I have to give credit to Star Wars Galaxies. I got high-speed internet because of Star Wars Galaxies. Oh, yeah. Well, you talked Tim into it. <laughs> well, no, I talked my mom into it, which which talked Tim into it. Because my mom was like really big into email and news or whatever and i kind of commandeered the computer all the time but uh they were on their they're actually getting married in hawaii and this was just after jordan was born so this is like 19 years ago and um <laughs> they uh i was i i tried like i played galaxies at your house on your computer a little bit. You convinced me to get it, so I bought the game, and I went to download it because it was an online game, and it was like three gigabytes or something at the time, but it was going to take... being over there when we loaded it up because I brought my discs over. Yeah. And we loaded it on there, but then to download like the patches and everything, what was it? It was like a couple of days or something that it said it was going to take. Oh, it was, it, was, it was three days. Three days. And uh, we sat through the three days, and it got down to, like, six hours, and it just stopped. <laughs> Wouldn't continue. Downloading at, like, four kilobytes a second just wouldn't continue. So, like, we had no choice. Like, we had to, like, clear it out and then redo it. And then, again, it gets down to, like, three to four hours of being done. And it stops. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a week, dude. It's a long fucking time. How much can you accomplish in a week? Kids today will never know. Yeah, no, it was miserable. And I don't know why it would stop, but it just would. It just would not finish installing. So I, like, my mom got home, or she called me before, and I was like, you know, like they they have like broadband now. Like Comcast is here. And uh, she got home, and I talked to her about it. I was like, "You can check your email so fast, like a snap. Like you can, you could you can watch so much Yahoo News. Yeah, you can like in a second. So uh, she she uh, convinced Tim to get the uh, broadband cable internet. Tim, and, don't uh, understand AOL will load like that." I remember, dude. I remember as soon as as soon as we got it installed, it went from like a three and a half day install to like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was, I was just like, oh my god. (laughs) Meanwhile, 
I'm and, doing and everything it, in my power to, <laughs> at my house. I finally convinced my parents to budge on it and attempt to get high-speed internet, only to find out that there were forces in the galaxy keeping me from getting high-speed <laughs> Like, oh yeah, that'll be fine. We'll come in, we'll come and set it up for you. And then they're like, no, you don't have the right kind of wire out here. Like, what? What does that even mean? There's like four yeah. times. Remember, there were like four false, false alarm, like false hope, where I thought I was getting high speed internet in my parents' house and it would fall through every single time. Yeah, and what was even crazier is not even like a quarter mile away, they were building this subdivision. <laughs> this like uh you know, cookie cutter housing area that had high speed internet that like had it already. And you like your house who that had been there couldn't get it. Now listen to this day, this said subdivision has built all the way across the cornfield in a little old town of Vicksburg where my parents live. Um, Literally across the street where all used to be field now there are houses across the street from my parents house okay i could throw i mean a child could throw a ball and hit a house from my parents house that has high-speed internet and they still do not have high-speed internet it still is not being run on that side of the road well Not only does the Constitution end at my parents' driveway, but the whole rest of the century. So, so does, yeah. So, the Constitution ends. Uh, they probably still operate in the Magna Carta or something on that side of the road. I don't know. Uh, what was it? Uh, Petopia, right? Uh, Roachtopia. <laughs> and then what's even funnier. <laughs> Like I've been, I've I've hit a streak of roach luck recently. I feel for you. I've been been doing that for thirty. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I remember you got like when you got your new place. <laughs> oh man, they uh, like there was they were they were putting it in. They were gonna do it. They were gonna do it, and then like they randomly like drilled through the side of your house. To install it, just like didn't even ask you. They just fucking <laughs> put a hole right through well, your wall, all from the outside. Well, the thing when I bought this house, right, that was the first thing I looked into. Like when we were going to buy this house, it's like okay, we're we're out in the sticks, but I like it. There's I got three acres of my own across the street. I got forty acres that it's a it's a waterfowl preserve you can hunt and fish on and whatever so i go over there shoot guns and you know so essentially i have 40 acres at my disposal and i only have to upkeep three you know my own perfect opportunity other than the internet thing right so there was not high-speed internet when i bought the house here so i called and found out like they're like oh yeah comcast was like within uh three years we will be out there guaranteed. And Bloomingdale communications was also expanding. Hannah's parents live even farther. My wife's parents live even farther out in the sticks on the other side of the nearest like little town than we do. And they already had high speed internet run out there from Bloomingdale communications. So it's like, they said, yeah, within two years, we'll have it out to you. So like, okay, two years I can do, I can live with that. I've been living with it for what? 
24, 25 years at that point without high speed internet, really. I can, I can wait a few more years. Good house, good deal. And then it just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. <laughs> and Bloomingdale Communications is like, we no longer have plans to run our network out there. Yeah, like, and for oh. the, and and that and the, during that time, you're actually running like a Verizon uh, 4G hotspot like, hot thing to. Yeah, and I was uh, which I, is actually pretty fast. I've I've played games on that before. Like, oh yeah, I, I mean, LA. I I played on 4G. I played Star Wars: The Old Republic on 4G for a month or two. Oh yeah, I mean, I did Xbox Live and stuff, but it still wasn't spectacular. I mean, it's pretty good, but it's not spectacular. And I, uh, the big step back to that is your uh, the amount of you know gigabytes or whatever that you can use, the amount of data that you can use. But found a back door through uh, my buddy Atterbury, who had the uh, Verizon, uh, still was grandfathered in with the Verizon Unlimited plan back in the day. And so he was paying full price for phones upright every time he had an upgrade. That way they didn't lock him into a new plan. But he finally decided he was, he got his house. Um, he had his job. He's an IT guy actually. And so after about a year of doing it, after he got his house and he had his own house with high speed internet and he's, you know, obviously he has good internet at his work. He's like, you know, I don't use that much data anymore. I'm going to get rid of it. So it's like, well, let me tell you what. You should just give me that their SIM card and I will continue to pay that bill. It was like uh, $30 or something on his, it was still on his plan, but he like started a separate plan next to it or whatever, where there are two new, new lines. So he made a big sacrifice and he lost his number just for me to continue to play, you know, continue to have that unlimited data. But uh, that worked out for a few years, but Till finally got to, till they decided to come and drill a hole through my house. But now you have high speed internet. Yes, and this is all possible. <laughs> Twenty nine years, right? Because you've had it for over, you've had it for a year now, right? Just about a year, a little over a year, probably now. So yeah, around almost almost three decades. Is my yeah. white whale. Yeah, no, I say I, that, but I mean, high speed internet wasn't barely a thing when we were born, but. Yeah, but when you're looking at like 2005, like I I remember you and Sean, um, Carla always like my wife. She always uh, complains about how I'm a homebody, and I was like, yeah, well, because everyone came over to my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, I don't need. I'm like, I never had the need to go anywhere else. And now that, especially now that I'm paying, you know, eighteen hundred plus dollars a month in rent plus couple hundred dollars a month in electricity and blah 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 she's like all, right, all you want to do is stay home and i'm like yeah because i'm paying for it <laughs> i have everything i need here <laughs> i got i got my my things yeah. I got, uh, now i have my holocron and my lightsaber i'm yeah. done now i'm totally done carla listen to the holocron i'm gonna grow a great big beard and oh, uh, actually, the beard. I'm I'm waiting for her. Like the only reason why I'm doing it is I'm waiting for her to say something about it. She said she said to trim it, like to clean up the sides. But if I, because uh, I've I've been putting like coconut oil in it and uh, even like wax to like uh, you know Stop keep it. Yeah, like, well, like uh, like the the wax you put in your hair to uh, keep it clean and fresh and stuff. 
um, and also shape it. But uh, I'm I'm waiting for her to tell me just to fucking end it, and she hasn't because uh, this, this is this is this is like the longest it's been in a long time. Do you think she knows you're waiting? Is it a battle of the wills? Um, journal, maybe a battle that is fit to be put into the journal of the wills someday. Maybe someday somebody will pop a kyber crystal into uh how it's gonna be yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say it's gonna be it's gonna be in this right here. <laughs> uh well hey, that makes me think. What at Star Wars Celebration, I didn't do it, but didn't you and Hannah and Sean No, Sha- we didn't we didn't go into the actual rooms where you could record. So what was it? What remind me what, what that actually was? So they had a Galaxy's Edge uh, section at Star Wars Celebration. You can go around and see kind of like what it was going to be, what it was going to be about. How to they go had... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> being on a celebration like show floor compared to being like on Batu, no, it doesn't. You know, I can't even. You're like, yeah, still, yeah, celebration, show floor, yeah, yeah. That's all I have, man. That's all I got. You have fly out here, fly out here. You have a place to stay. I will buy a ticket. You buy your ticket. Oh. I will go to Disneyland with you. You were leaving some gray area there, and I was going to try to use it against you. Yeah, well, ticket. I, I didn't want you to to be like, Pause. oh, I have you on recording. Pause. <laughs> but uh, so you will, you may buy my ticket. What? Talk to Asher Angel. Oh yeah, right. The number one trending YouTube video. I have a video that's shooting on uh, Sunday, and I can't even like I'm I'm producing the video. But uh, tomorrow's my last day to work on the actual video because Carl and I are leaving town Thursday through Sunday. So I, I have to take like a thousand bucks out of my rate to pay somebody else to actually do it. Not terrible. Well, you were okay. So the uh, Galaxy's Edge section at uh, Celebration, there was some sort of holocron there, was there not? Yeah. So the, what they had was uh, booths that were set up and uh, you could record like a little blurb about what Star Wars means to you and all of the data that was recorded at Celebration was put into a holocron that is apparently at Galaxy's Edge. Like you can't buy it, but it's a holocron that's just there. It's just a data of everybody at Celebration that was talking about what Celebration meant to them. I didn't think to ask about it while I was there, but um, yeah, that was that was apparently the deal. And I went back to try to do it, but the line was just so long. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even get a chance to go in there because why what? Oh, we were going to the 501st bash and Nathan and Gavin wanted to leave early for some, you know, they they wanted us to go back to the Airbnb with them. So I ended up having to jump ship from celebration early and uh, Hannah and Grace stayed with you guys. 
I didn't even think I was going to the 501st bench. I'm happy you did, because that's another one of those experiences that I look back on very fondly. Yeah, and, and you know, what's, what surprised me about that was the band. The band, like they were Australian dudes or something. Yeah. But they were so good. Oh, yeah. They were f- phenomenal. So, you know what I was thinking? Um, possible, now you're, you're a producer. You make big things happen. So, and you may be uh, moving back to Michigan. Uh, uh, well, for another big thing, maybe. Right, right. Um, you ever been to a Renaissance festival? Oh, man. I go to the, Carl and I go to the Ren Fair every year for the last six years. Now, why isn't there like a Star Wars Ren festival where you can, like, people can come, kind of like a celebration kind of thing, but you're, basically doing like the batu thing but it's run by the fans you can all dress up you can wear your your you know all the 501st can come and they can have their little section the people that dress up like the the jedi and the heroes the resistance can set up people set up their own little booths why isn't this a thing like i just was thinking about that because we go to the run festival too uh here we're going to be going again uh shortly and i saw uh somebody on one of the groups posted uh they have like a stormtrooper that they have like a kilt and stuff on. He's got a sword and everything. So he's like, this is the right way to do the run festival. And I started thinking, why are there not Star Wars run festivals? Well, that's a good, that's a very, very good question. Um, the thing is with the run fair, um, they don't have any proprietary <laughs> things to worry about. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's no copyright on things. On King Arthur. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, you can go and I'm, I'm the queen. I'm the well-washing wenches, which is what we have out here. Right. We have we have a ton of shows and throw axes, you can throw spears and blah blah blah. But they do have themed days where you can dress up as different things. Like they have like a steampunk weekend. They have a whatever weekend. So you think it's um, a legal, legal issue? I think that the only way to make that successful is to have it be licensed. Um, and I, I don't think that they would want to take away from things like Star Wars Celebration. That's but a totally I think, I think I th- I, yeah, it is. And I think that you could do it, but what would you have there? Um, yeah, you can have the 501st there or whatever, but it has to be a nonprofit organization. Yeah, look at the set builder. Look at the like the Millennium Falcon little set, uh, like the life-size X-Wing and the Imperial Throne thing that we went on, the Tanta before uh, hallway that we were at. At, at Celebration over in Anaheim, there was the life-size um, Rancor. Remember that? Yeah, and they had life-size AT-ATs, too. Life-size AT-ATs. Like, those prop builders and stuff, if you could get them in on something like this, like, you know, because they're, like, over in Sweden, they do it, like, once a year. It's like, man, you could plan it around Celebration, where it's like, okay, Celebration's going to be in August next year. Let's do it, like, two weeks later or something while you're in the country. Right, so but what you're talking about is, like, kind of, the equivalent to a traveling circus because the Ren Fair, that's basically what it is. It's, it's here for 
a month or two, and then it moves for a month or two, and then it moves for a month or two. I'm saying make it more um, of like an event, like celebration. Like, okay, once a like once a year, once every two years or something, Star Wars fans descend upon this place, and everybody set up. Here. I agree. I I I I'm not disagreeing with you. I just I just think that the legal loopholes. Well. The legal loopholes with Think of me hand. as your director. This is my vision. And you want this to happen. And okay, I want this so, produced, Mr. Producer. Okay, great. So the first thing we do is contact Disney Legal. And um, we tell them we're a nonprofit. We well first first thing we do is we set up a four oh one C, a nonprofit organization, and uh, every every profit is donated to whatever they want it to be donated to. Right. Uh, you can still, you can still pay people. You can, you can pay the directors. You can pay the, you know, the people that are putting it together, but uh, the actual profits are sent to something else. Right. Um, We're not pocketing a bunch of money from it. Right. Um, and that's, and that's the thing. That's why things like the emulators for star Wars galaxies are still around. Uh, everything is based off of donations. They're not making money off of it. They're just making enough money to create this environment and to, to, to keep it running with like server upkeeps and stuff like that. So you can technically do it. Um, you might have to reposition it as something else. Not necessarily Star Wars. Hmm. Um, you know what you should do, but you're still, but, but you're still going to be sued either way. So you, it would be better to have Disney Something on your side. Um, so you're gonna go ahead. talk to um, talk to your contacts in like the Rebel Legion. Some get a hold of some people in the Five Hundred First because they have a lot, you know they're closer to doing this kind of stuff. They have little parties and they have their own little things that they get together and do. And they, uh, you know, they work closely with Lucasfilm. I'd be able to get a contact through them. If we get the 501st involved, I mean, that would be a sweet thing for the 501st to be able to do just to like troop at something like this. You have your, you know, just like at a a Ren festival, you have like the the queen or whatever, and she comes and does her little show and people. Right, but but you're talking about doing like an entire Star Wars themed festival. Um, My phone's at one percent, so if it dies and I uh, we lose each other, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, we can wrap it up, but um, but no, it's it's a it's 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 different than that because like when they show up to events and stuff. Um, they 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 show up. They don't they don't get paid for it. Right. They uh they are volunteers. Like when I had them at my wedding, I donated to the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. I donated several hundred dollars. Right. Just to have four people at my wedding. So do you think that it it would be possible to do it like that? Then like this is basically uh. Like you make some donations to get in, like and a percentage of it. Like you, you, you pay it. You know, you pay to get in, but then a small percentage goes to those who are putting it together. The rest of it's going to this charity over here. Right, but then why do people 
like the 501st. I mean, there are several legions around the country, obviously. Right. But um, why would they want to do it beyond just being in their armor and walking around and living it as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, why why wouldn't they want to get paid? Yeah, I mean... Maybe if like some of them could get paid, I don't know. I, I why wouldn't you want to do it if you're that big of a Star Wars fan? Like, man, why why wouldn't you want to come and do that and just like it's the ultimate geek out thing? Like we were talking about, it'd be immersion like that uh, on a, an even larger level almost. Um, there's just you know people aren't making a whole lot of money off of it, but you're having a good time. I don't know. Just yeah, and I mean, like even nonprofits, like like a nonprofit director, like the the top people will still make a ton of money because they're the ones who are bringing everything together and stuff like that. But how do you get everyone else to hop on board? That's the question. Hmm. Do it for um, do it for Jedi. But I mean, like yeah, I mean, yeah. Did Ray? Did they send you? You to kill me. To kill me. They asked for an introduction and they got one. Well know the truth. You be be careful, do not lie. You may lose your mind. Has a tendency to lose his mind. I, I do have to say, uh, I, I was right next to Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker at Celebration. Oh. <laughs> Are you there? <laughs> and I think we lost Mr. Casey Schreffler. But uh, no, fun episode this week, guys. Kind of jumbled. Uh, we started off with... Uh, with uh, with with Casey and with Matt, and we we ended with uh, that special report with uh, Casey fresh off of his visit to uh, Batu and Black Spire in Disneyland. And let me know what you guys think about uh, about a Star Wars Ren quote unquote Ren festival and um, everything that that would entail. Uh, would you be willing to come? And do that. I mean, it's just like any other Renaissance festival. I, I, I'm not a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm not a huge like medieval knights guy. I like it as much as the next guy, I guess. And I'm willing to go there and do that. And it just struck me. Why don't we all come together, dressed up in our Star Wars attire? The people who build sets can build their little, their little, I say little, but they're impressive. Impressive. Like you walk through the Falcon, uh, this celebration, there was a, there was a Falcon, um, from like the original trilogy and, uh, sequel trilogy set that you could sit at. We, we have pictures. My wife and I have pictures from celebration 2015 on this thing. And then there was, the entire like main hold section of the Falcon for uh, Lando's Falcon from the solo movie. So it's pristine white. You could walk on and 
these are these are impressive little sets that I believe it's uh it's probably Casey messaging me. I believe it's uh it's a nonprofit group out of I want to say Sweden or something, and they fly this stuff over life size X wing, life size AT like ATSTs, um, Tie Fighters, uh, Rancors. Man, let's let's see what we can do. There's our, we already have the 501st. It's a not-for-profit. We already have the rebel Legion. We got the Mandalorian Mercs, man, let's make this happen. That's what I say. Anyway, we are the talking Sith. Um, you can like us, follow us on mostly any social media platform at talking Sith pod. Let me know what your thoughts are on on this uh, Renaissance, Star Wars Renaissance Festival idea and or any other Star Wars thoughts, theories, ideas that you have. Send us an email at talkingsithpod at gmail.com or a voicemail or message us on Facebook and we'll get you we'll get your uh, your questions, your thoughts, your theories on, on the air. So may that force be with you. Everything expressed in the podcast is the intellectual property of Talking Sith. We are not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm in any way. Star Wars is their property. We just like to talk about it.